Super Arcade Football, Midnight Mass, and Grease Lightning. This is staying in. And yeah, I'm enjoying. I'm I'm enjoying Oktoberfest uh, now. Partly, I'm enjoying Oktoberfest because uh, the beers are absolutely fantastic, and also partly I'm enjoying it uh, because I got bought a load of beers for my birthday. Oh, oh yes. How was Willington Day? Willington Day was absolutely lovely. Um, so I got bought a load of beers because people know me. Uh, and I got bought a load of vouchers for food because people <laughs> know me. Uh, and um, I got um, I got some, uh, yeah, I got some absolutely lovely things. We did a, uh, we did an escape room, an online escape room together. We did indeed, yes. Nice. Um, and we saved it. And we, we, um, we did, um, we did, it was about a gang. And then we infiltrated a gang, and then we solved a puzzle. It was great. Very, very we solved good. several puzzles. Yeah, solved several puzzles. Very enjoyable. Enjoyed that a lot. Um, yeah, it's been good. It'd be nice to sort of celebrate. And, and I'll be honest with you, this period of time in the year is actually my favourite season. I actually prefer mm. autumn and mm. winter. Autumn and winter are my one-two punch of amazing. Spring, fine, lovely, like it. Summer, bleh, boo. Uh, whereas <laughs> autumn, winter, lovely. My favourite turns of seasons are the shift from winter to spring and then right. from summer into autumn. Yeah, so, the Cruyff turn from summer into autumn is a beautiful thing to. Uh, I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't enjoy the weather at the moment where it feels like you're walking out inside a washing machine on a spin wash. Like you don't know whether it's going to be completely splashing it down with rain or just like really crisp and clear like mm. the next minute which is like but that's like the the sweet spot where it's really crisp very very sunny um but but with a nice sort of gentle cold breeze from it and then i guess i guess that is replicated from winter into spring but then i feel it's a little bit different because you know winter it's been cold it's been awful it's been. Mm. I don't know if really anyone really enjoys winter. There's some nice festivals it's around one winter. Of my, it's I one of my get. absolute favourite seasons. I but then, love it, that but then it's, weather. but then it's like you wake up and the days are starting to get a bit lighter. Yeah, brilliant. And looks like that, that, that wonderful mm-hmm. like sense, senses and smell. I always yeah. know it's spring, really, because I've got some a house around the corner from where I live, and they planted bulbs in the shape of their door number. Um, so every year I know it's spring because a big a big number five <laughs> in daffodils. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Pushes out of their lawn. It's like right the first sign of spring. <laughs> Can you imagine that conversation, Deirdre? Yes, Deirdre. I'm gonna go outside and I'm go- I'm gonna go down to B and Q and I'm gonna buy a load of uh, daffodil bulbs. Why, why are you doing that, Jonathan? Well, I'm going to do it because I've decided to put a giant five on the garden. Uh, okay, why do, why do you think you're going to do that? Ah, I just thought it'd be fun for people to walk past. No, it's spring. Here's the five in daffodil bulbs. Imagine that. Here's the, here's the five. It's the five, yeah. It's not like a nice patch. Like Deirdre's like, fine, I understand the bulbs. I understand having a nice bed of them. It's the whole garden. It's yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Did I tell you about the time my parents found a tortoise in the middle of a jeweled carriageway? <laughs> like they have no idea how it managed to make it across to the middle. Okay, okay. 
Okay, rewind, rewind a couple of seconds. So dual carriageways essentially um, in the UK run at the national speed limits. That's 70 Correct. miles an hour. Okay, so I'm going to kind of backpedal a little bit. So <laughs> Again, more. a dual carriageway is a road. <laughs> no, no, no. So, um, okay, so it wasn't a, a dual, it was a, it was a main road, so I should say, but 60 miles per hour, not 70 was they were doing. Okay, so it was just a carriageway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like they pulled out, they pulled out onto the carriageway and they saw it ahead, <laughs> this kind of like, it hadn't got its legs in or anything. It was just stood there in the middle. Just on, its, on its two legs with a rat next to it. Yeah, and a cigarette. <laughs> and they picked it up and took it home. And they they put it on the side to kind of clean it and stuff. And it fell into a sink full of water. And that's when they discovered, because it didn't drown, that it was a terrapin. Terrapin. Yeah. And how much you've grown since then, Chris. I know. <laughs> a little terrapin that could. You can't really say they've done much in their life but <laughs> where are you going with this why are you judging so wait wait why yeah. are you casting judgment it's not like darwin turned up on the galapagos and went oh aren't these wonderful creatures but they're not doing much oh, i won't write that down yeah, really... what did they do sam what did they do chris well, they exist what do you do? do in the house like or or in the society that you're in like i've got a rabbit i don't expect it to pull its weight when it comes to the household bills huh? And the rent, yeah. And the rent, right, right. Like, what do you, what do you mean? It hasn't achieved much. It's just. No, I'm what just do saying you want that, it like, to do? I don't know. Just like, I, I, we we're just trying to work out whether it was happy or not. You can't, you couldn't read it. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't, you can't read it, so you can't like what, like, like feel its bumps, like, uh, like, <laughs> like figure out what it's kind of thinking. So, so right. Let let's let's okay okay let's let's um. Let's pepper this throughout the show. Let's give Chris some animals, and he can tell us whether how, if he knows whether this animal when this animal is happy or not. Okay, so we get one is each. This, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the animal happy, and is it pulling its weight? <laughs> no, 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 no. You you've added that, Peter Willington. <laughs> no, no, you, you said added no, it. it you said... do anything. What yeah. do you mean? Yeah, I meant I meant like just like I just worry that like is it having a good life you know with us and stuff and things don't i didn't worry. mean that, like it's, you know what's its hobbies and its pastimes you are. don't have to worry about whether it's having a good life or not it definitely is it definitely is having a well, great time it's been rescued it's not been run over by a car like, like it's fine so chris so chris yeah. cow how can you tell a cow is happy sound <laughs> sound <laughs> I had to I had to duck out of our RPG session the other day. You did uh, that we did uh, the other day because uh, I just was not feeling it. So I went and played on my Switch instead. Uh, I constantly um, <laughs> just hang on, hang on. on the WhatsApp hang on. in the WhatsApp group. You said you were ill. I was yeah. ill. I was ill. I was feeling awful. And I thought to myself, do you know what? I'll go. And play yeah, we saw because we saw you walk past and stuff in the background because obviously your partner plays in the RPG with us. Yeah, so you could see me taking a box of Ritz crackers to bed. Yeah, which is basically my, um, you know, when people say, "Oh, it's like chicken soup for the soul," uh, it no, it's it's Ritz crackers for the uh, for the for the illness. That's what <laughs> keeps me going. So I took my uh, I took my switch to bed, and, and I'm continually impressed with how much I keep playing that device. Like I keep getting that thing sure. out, and I yeah, it's just such a. It's a nice think, bedtime console. You're right. 
it's a bedtime console at times. Really, it really does fit that niche very nicely. It is um, a bit clacky, though, I find. It is a bit clacky. Yeah, well, yeah, you pair that with the crunch of the Ritz crackers. But I, um, the thing for me that I found with it is it really has become the new Vita. Um, like, the Vita for me was perfect, and the DS as well, actually, in some yeah. ways. Um, Both are great. It's become a, you know, it's become the console that I play indie games on. It's become the console that I play, um, think like older games on, like ports of older games and that kind of stuff. Um, and it's also the game, the system that I play kind of lighter weight games on. I, t- I tend to find that when I buy a PlayStation game, I, I, I'm like, I would quite like to, uh, I would like to quite, quite like to play something kind of like light and frothy or uh, something that I can maybe listen to a podcast to. Or something along those lines, but I, but uh, I like I like it as well for stuff that's slightly sl- stuff that's slightly heavier and in depth. So I've got The Witcher okay. Three on mine, and I've just pre-ordered Disco Elysium as well because Ooh. because for me it's that it's that time that time sink into it, and as long as it's optimized right, there's something really nice about being able to really take a deep dive, yeah, a deep dive into something, but wherever you want to do that and it's and it's you it's it's you and the screen there's no yes oh, I need absolutely to look out yeah. the tv it's mm-hmm. like no i'm mm-hmm. just <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i completely agree um it's true you know you like if you live in you know you, you live with somebody and, and maybe they're um you know i'm very lucky in that we've got we've got two screens in the living room but like um there's definitely there's definitely been times where i've been like ah, i can't really justify playing the playstation because alex is watching something on the tv so i'll go and play on the switch i've been playing a switch game recently and I think it is a perfect fit for that kind of um, indie, charming, colourful, beautiful. And um, it's a game called Super Arcade Football. Um, so this is also available on Steam. I think it's coming to other platforms at some point in the near future. Um, I get the feeling that it will probably come to mobile uh, in the not-too-distant future either. Is it, not, it, it feels like a mobile game, mobile game already. Now, is this the, this isn't the same as Super Arcade Soccer? Is that a different company? Different company, different game, as far as I know. This is actually the same people. We've talked about their games in the past. Um, this is the people who made a game called Super Arcade Racing, uh, which was a top-down Micro Machines-esque, maybe a little bit close to things like Overdrive, which is a classic old Team 17 game, but nobody remembers that, so it's fine. Um, you're right, it is on mobile uh, already. Uh, and um, I think the fit for mobile is, is, is pretty good. It seems like it's a free-to-play game. Um, I'm definitely glad uh, that the Switch version is a premium version because I think there's some really interesting stuff that they've managed to get away with with not doing the free-to-play stuff. Um, it's also on Steam, uh, but uh, I don't know. I don't think you want to play it on that uh, unless you're playing Steam on Big TV. I don't want to get reductive about it because obviously you've played it as well, Sam, because we got sent a couple of codes for um, for this uh, from the lovely people. Uh, from uh, out of the bit and i don't want to be super reductive uh, but think sensible soccer but if it was modernized slightly so if you go back now and play sensible soccer which i did about six months ago uh just because i was like oh, this will be fun well i was i was surprised that it wasn't uh sensible soccer has not aged particularly well i thought it would have but it's not um it's a, a really still big expansive game and it feels massive even though it's all tiny little people but the kind of controls and stuff like that just are just leave something uh, uh, that's a little bit lacking 
Whereas Super Arcade Football does not feel like that. It feels much more like um, like you have a lot more control over the ball. Though you can change the settings to feel a little bit more sensible soccery, a little bit more slippery, a little bit less like you've got as much control over the ball. Um, though I don't think it's worth playing with that stuff on. So it's a top-down pixel art uh, soccer football game. And the idea is that there's a narrative to it, which I thought was really interesting and really kind of bold for them to open with a narrative uh, in that you take over a football team uh, that's failing and uh, you try and take it from from zeros to heroes. And there's an evil character who's like this, must, you know, moustache twiddling villain. It's all very, very lightweight and silly and fun. And it's it's fine. There's not a huge amount to it. Uh, it's really can can I just say that that moustache twiddling villain also is, is somewhat being... He appears in scenes where he appears to be coquettishly cuddled by a horse with a monocle. Mm. Ah, now I can tell you whether that horse is having a good time or not. Right. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, go. How, how do you know a horse is having a good know? time, Chris? Yeah. The eyes. Okay, perfect. Okay, good. So, well, we'll move on. We'll move on from there quickly. <laughs> so, um, so the, um, so yeah, he's been, yeah, it, very strange. Like, but he rides a horse at all times. You know, he's, you know, it, it's got a really interesting, fun, silly sense of humour, um, and it doesn't take it really doesn't take itself too seriously, as you would hope. If you're going to make a game that's a little bit like Sensible Soccer, you probably don't want to make him uh, make it too serious. So, and it feels a lot like that. So, if if, if you remember that game, then great. Mm. Like it's that again, modern. If you liked that, play it again. This is this mm-hmm. is you know this is this is well worth investing in. Um, if you weren't around for that period of time, then. <sighs> Arcade is the right phrase. Super arcade, yes, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, so I think if you went into this thinking FIFA, because I know you play FIFA a fair amount, don't you, Sam? You've got it on the Switch. Right? Uh, uh, to 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 a fault, yes, to I do fault, play yeah. FIFA. Yeah. Um, uh, if you go into it expecting FIFA, you're going to be sorely disappointed because it isn't that. There are tackles in this game uh, that are pretty bold, and uh, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, you know, you you know, very rare that you'll end up with a yellow card or a red card. Um, so you know, I'm slide tackling all over the place, trying to, and yep. taking people out, and it's great fun. Tackling um, from behind, tackling when they don't have the ball. Yeah. It's pretty, and you know. The referee's pretty loosey goosey about the whole, you know, rules side yep. of the things in, from that side. There are also different modes in the game, specifically around the rules. So there are things that you can get little power-ups like speeding up and you can turn off uh, off, uh, things going off, uh, as in off the the pitch, so you don't get Mm -hmm. throw-ins or or corners or anything like that. Although you can have all of that stuff on it, it does all work fine. It's very jumpers for goalposts football. Hoof it up the pitch, run run it through, you know, really just hold on to the ball as long as you possibly can. Bit of passing, left, right, and centre, and then like bang it into the in, into the back of the net. Most often than not, if you're trying doing a trying to do a header, you'll probably do a bicycle kick. Like that's the yeah. kind of game that you'll end up playing. You know, very over the top, very um, uh, not too silly in the actual gameplay department too much. Though there is definitely arcade stuff, like I say, those power ups and that kind of thing, like oil spills on the pitch, mm-hmm. icy pitches. Pitch. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, ice yeah, pitch yeah, is really yeah. fun. It's not a game that takes itself too too seriously. But then there's this kind of career mode whereby you're taking, you're going through all of these challenges and you're trying to beat all of these different teams. And they have that fun, sensible soccer slash early pro evolution soccer uh, slash ISS where they're like naming players but not quite naming players. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So back in the day, it would have been like, uh, um, go on, like Eric, uh, 
Quintana, uh, <laughs> Eric Quintana, or okay. like yeah, um, yeah. like yeah. like so. So if you if you had a who was that Newcastle player that had a fun name and he was like a striker and Alan Shearer, famous. Alan Shearer. So for oh example, my word. Alan it Shearer, pains me to know that's who I know you, you meant. But you had a fun name. Well, yeah, right. So so in so in some of these games, it would be like Alan Barber. Okay. Right? Yeah. Like that All right. Would be yeah, the yeah, yeah. Kind yeah, yeah. of thing that you would go with, and so they do that. So you can tell that like there there are there are teams that are meant to be Newcastle. There are teams that are meant to be Real Madrid. They don't have the license, but you know it's like wink, wink, nod. Uh, uh, absolutely. Nod. Yeah. 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 Right. Like it, it. It's a. It's a fun for me. Who and and I will preface this with I am not a huge football fan at all, um, but I do like having a bit of a kickabout. And this reminds me of a kickabout. This reminds me of why I liked those football games back in the day, Italian 90, sensible soccer, the original FIFA international soccer. Like they were more, they were accessible. Whereas things like Mm -hmm. Pro Evo, things like FIFA, they've done their best to kind of be a little bit more accessible. But I always feel like when I've turned down the settings to be a little bit easier, I'm always like, yeah, that's not really the experience you want me to have. You want me to play FIFA Ultimate Team and you want me to beat the World Cup on super legendary mode and all that sort of stuff. Whereas with this, I'm more than happy to just kind of sit there. Each each round, half, game, turn, game, what? the half, the half of the game. Yeah. Each half is about two minutes. Three minutes, I think. Three minutes, two or three minutes. Mm-hmm. So it's quick. It's really snappy. Really quick. Just it's really good. Moves along. And um, yeah, just, just really enjoyable. Lots of different modes, lots of different characters. Um, some options that, are, that make the game uh, a little bit more over the top. And as, a, as somebody who works in, in production, some really odd choices of where they spent their time and money, Go which I, I find really interesting, right? So my, my understanding is this was in early access on Steam, and then it's now we have this full release on the consoles and stuff like that. So some of the things that they don't include in the game, which I thought was really interesting, is they don't have the thing like Sensible Soccer has, which is you can't rename any of your characters or any of the or any of the team members. You can't rename anything along those lines, right? You can't. You can set up a custom league, but you can't set up. You know, re- you can't really de- go into detail on that sort of things. They also don't have the option for uh, certain like settings in the game that you might be interested in in going and taking a look at. So they don't tell you. Um, they don't have options to change any controls. They also don't tell you really what the controls are. Yeah, well, I found that really frustrating right. because one of the so the reason why I said surely this is a mobile game is that every game comes with three stars and by meeting and hitting certain criteria you will get those those three stars. Mm-hmm. So the first star is always win the game. That's the only way to progress from match to match is winning the game. Mm-hmm. The second star will be something like get over 40% possession or win without with conceding five or less goals or five or more five or less fouls and then the third one is will be something similar to that as well as like get win without getting a red card and then there's one where it's like win by scoring a curve shot and i was like hmm but well surely so surely there must be another button that means i can put like because on fifa you press r1 or whatever and it puts and that's like a finesse shot puts a little curve on the ball so and then so i spent ages and like searching around googling like looking to see if there's a menu no it's just it's after touch yeah so it, it goes with so this the reason that it feels like a mobile game at times and not in a, I, I i don't want to be negative about it in that way like there are plenty of great you know mobile games and i think actually it'll probably work quite well on mobile um it's all basically one button in terms of action obviously you've got yes. the directional pad 
But when you want to do a curveball, what you do is you basically power up the shot, and then when the ball has left your feet, you then press left or right, and that adds a bit of, uh, uh, I believe this is called, I believe it's, it's called swaz. Is that what it's called? Swaz? Swerve, mate. Swerve. No, 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 no. There are some very popular YouTubers that I am, I am, I am, I am assured they refer to it as putting swaz on the ball. So, so you can put some swaz on the ball to kind of push it into a different direction as aftertouch, but it's all one button. Tackle is, you know, there's no, you know, Tackle is on the same button as pass, which is on the same button as shoot, which is on the same button as head, which is on the same button as bicycle kick. Uh, you know, all this sort of stuff. So it doesn't bother including any of that stuff, right? It doesn't give you any controls. It doesn't give you a tutorial. It doesn't do any of those sorts of things, which makes me go, huh, that's a really, that's a really strange choice that they've made there. But what they do provide, <laughs> which I found brilliant and absurd at the same time, they have cross-platform multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, how was that the choice <laughs> between telling us how the, how to play the game and this very technically complicated thing to do whereby you can get online multiplayer between a Switch and Steam and mobile and all this sort of stuff. Like, what was the choice there that got my... But yeah, they managed to do it. And, um, you know, uh, so yeah, I just found that absolutely fascinating. There's also lots of little fun, subtle touches in the game which i really like so some of the so one of the referees looks like einstein mm -hmm. and um when he gives you a yellow card he runs up to you and for a moment uh he then writes out in a sort of thought bubble e equals mc squared as he's thinking and then shows you the yellow card or the red card there's little things like that little things like just little touches of seeing little bits and pieces in the in the in the crowd or seeing little little details where you just know that there's there's quite a lot of passion that's gone into this game and lots of just nice little extras here and there. But again, as I say, some of those options just aren't present. Some of the like control changes and stuff like that. It's 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 a really odd release in that way, but it's also a really cheap release. Like, you know, it's one of those things where if you want a cheap football game, this is it. This is the one. This is the one that's on yeah. Switch. Yeah, I like I I yeah. I definitely recommend it. Like I'm as a sort of reference to earlier to a fault i play fifa like i ignore so many other games because on a lunch break or whatever i'll just put on fifa and just carry on playing because I'm, I'm just i'm just kind of am addicted to the the narrative of it all like the the you know the thrill of winning and you know doing a good move and putting the ball in the net doing a swaz yep and so much so that I've had to actually like delete it and sell it off consoles that I've owned. Like when I owned a FIFA, when I owned a Vita, I just had to like get rid of because I was just wasn't playing anything else because I would just play FIFA. Yeah. Same on the PlayStation Four and PlayStation Five, and the same on the Switch. I've got FIFA on FIFA on that as well. However, I've, I find this still such an intriguing prospect that I've, I do really enjoy playing it, even as much as FIFA. It's just a different kind of yeah. challenge in a way. It's nice to play a football game where the controls are so simple, but there still appears to be some sort of tactical depth oh, to it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you can... The substitutions are a bit nonsensical, mm -hmm. but the actual positioning of your players, the formation that you're in, actually does make a difference in terms of objectives that you've got to meet. You will need to try and work out how to get by another team's formation in order to get, you know, good goal-scoring positions. And there's definitely ways that you can play 
that that involves some sort of tactical nous you know like crossing it in from the wings and like heading it in and doing bicycle yep. kicks and all that kind of stuff like you can just tend to go route one but some like pretty nice and neat tactical options mm. i think i also like that all of the teams and everyone involved in the game is tends to be very unisex um like yeah. the teams yeah. seem to be made up of of people of multiple genders the referees appear uh of multiple genders and it's never referenced it's never brought up it's just like these just, are these are the we, league we got to it's make just, up this world so let's just have fun with it yeah exactly brilliant which which i really really like that uh you've got a team and they can be whatever gender that you want and you know they're all playing together i, I find that really refreshing to watch i think the only thing that really frustrates me about the game is the lack of consistency i think that when you're playing a game like this a, a sports game where th things are definitive it's never quite clear if a tackle does end up being a yellow card or a red card, like yeah, sure. I, I seem to like be able to do some stuff that doesn't get any attention, and then I do do it, and then it does get attention, and I I've never quite worked out what the ruling is with that. Also, I got into one frustrating thing where one of the stars is just like opponent team gets five, uh, like five goal attempts or less, and then. Like I, the the other team would literally never enter my half, and then the half would finish, and it'd be like, oh, they got three goal attempts, and it's just like what? Like, yeah. and they got one shot on target, and they never shot the goal, and it feels so. It often feels like there is there is a little bit of inconsistency in terms of the approach and the execution. That's what I mean by the tutorializing. It's a really odd decision that they went with. You know, this very complex, you know, to do multiplayer stuff. Whereas there is a lot of the game that feels like hidden underneath the surface. Yeah, where like. Well, like they don't make certain things explicit, mm -hmm. and I agree with you in that 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 is a little bit of a frustration. So, you know, I was like rootling around in the options, like, oh, cool. Well, what what are all the other buttons? Well, there aren't any. Okay, cool. Well, that that's absolutely fine. But it's also things like um, like you really have to go digging to look at some of the options that are available. Like you can go and play these really weird different leagues that are just penalties. They don't explain to you how you how you save the ball. Like in the, in those penalties, they just never explain it. So you just have to kind of figure it out and hope that you're right. They also don't sh like show off a whole bunch of the um, different uh, like game changing rules that they add. So one of the little things that they, you can add is massive goals. Uh, you can also have or tiny goals. You can have sleeping keepers, where basically the keeper will just stay in the one place because they're asleep. They have a little Z coming off off the top of it, and it just means that basically any attempt on the goal is pretty good. So most players, you know, you'll mostly have your strategy whereby you'll mostly put stuff in defence, um, mm. and then try, you know, figure out if you can try and get some shots on the goal. But my my thinking with this is basically, like I say, I think it's one of those games that are like, like all the best kind of indie cheaper indie games. There's still that passion and that high quality. Like you can see that there's like quality. You can see that this absolutely. team cares. Absolutely. It, like there are definitely some crap, cheap indie football games on Switch that I was like, is this the same thing? And it's like, no, it just sounds like it's the same thing. And I think that's really important. The other thing that kind of fills me with confidence is this is on mobile and it went through early access. That means I think that there will be some updates over time. And I think that because that's how those systems will tend to work. And I think that it, there are a small number of relatively cheap things to implement 
that I think could take this from a you know a sort of like high seven to a high eight. Mm-hmm. Like Absolutely, I think there's yeah. just a few bits and pieces where you're like, oh, this is really close to being great, and at the moment it's good, um, and I definitely recommend it certainly at the price. Um, but yeah, it's there's there's just some little bits and pieces there where you're like, you're so close to this, and I'm having a great. I'm, as I say, I'm having a good time with it, and you know all that sort of stuff. I'm just being a little bit nitpicky. Um, but um, yeah, it's 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 very very good. It's um, it's the kind of game where it's the kind of game where I wouldn't be surprised if in five years there's a sequel and it's the hotness. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I it's, that, that, yeah, yeah. it's that kind yeah. of thing where you're like, okay, yeah, I think you've done a really good job here. I, I, in fact, I would say it's kind of like Super Arcade Racing in that way. It has that kind of spirit to it where you're like, yeah, this is this is good. I can see where the good stuff is in this there's just bits and pieces of it where you're like oh if you just done this thing so hopefully yeah we'll see we'll see more of that and um yeah i didn't i i actually didn't clock that it was on mobile so i might go and download that as well so that company who make super arcade football they also made that super arcade racer correct now we speak a lot about board games on on this show mm-hmm. and i always think that the one board game genre that i always enjoy the most but i don't think has have ever had really much success is like racing ones whether that's you know whether it is in cars or like formula one or any sort of other sort of vehicle and that's probably because like roll and move has always been like just so shunned in terms of like people just do not like it anymore and i think that well i don't know i'm just like sort of hypothesizing here but if we can't do roll and roof, then just let's not do a racing game, and we'll we'll do something. We'll do something else. Sure, yeah. I know that me and Chris we're massive fans of Flamme Rouge, which is a brilliant um, racing board game. That's a good game. Yeah, yeah. and I think games like Pit Crew um, also recreate that sort of racing experience. Mm. And I think that you know nothing quite beats that that feeling of playing a game and being in competition like racing against the people across from you mm. like i think um cubitos is a is a another new one which is sort of has that racing thing mm. but i but i get the roll and move thing I, I think it's like if you're racing and you know if you're doing it like i'm trying to think of a good sort of you know if you're just racing on foot or you're racing with something else that's physical so say like scale electrics or like doing marble runs or something like that there's mm-hmm. there's kind of i don't know i just i don't know why it just doesn't work with with board games as as much i think mm. is it is it luck is it the you know you well, you only beat me because you rolled a couple of sixes in a row and i think for roll and move it definitely feels like that if 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 what the racing immediately says well can you move the fastest yeah, and most yeah. of the mechanics are if most of the old mechanics are based around like well you rolled a six so you move six spaces you rolled a two you move two spaces and that feels like well where's the skill where's the the gameplay here mm. well, I mean you know? what 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 kind of changes that to some degree what mitigates that is that yes you rolled a six but you've landed on something that may slow you down for the next round or you may get sure. to a forked path and you have to make a choice like what my favorite racing game is probably jamaica yeah um, yeah that's another genuinely um but what makes that interesting is not just the, the novelty of it being a race but also the fact that yes there's dice being rolled but it's, it's you take it in turns one person rolls two dice and they have to decide okay 
where they place those two dice because each player's got a, a deck of cards. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And and then there's there's something else on top of that. And what I love about Jamaica is um, not just the look and feel of it, but you know, you've got your own treasure holds and if you land in the space of somebody else, you can fight each other and if you win, you can steal their treasure. So the same treasure might get passed back and forth, but actually, oh, I can't move where I want to now because I need enough treasure or food to get to where I want to. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't it's not actually about being the fastest it's actually about being strategic and making mm-hmm. sure that you have enough in your supplies but not hanging back too far that actually you're going to be left behind absolutely i mean i'm i mean i'm fascinated by how especially when it comes to board game design how the different ways that designers have tried to solve this problem essentially and i've been playing grease lightning uh, from okay. wizkids uh, yeah. so grease spelt g r e e c e like the country it's not yeah like the country i should have just said that shouldn't i uh it's it's not the um the movie tying game that we that we all hope for that we've all been sending the letters that we really really want yeah Yeah. oh no that's a spice girls that is yeah Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i won't be cutting that out no thanks um and um so so this is this is a racing game. It takes place in ancient Greece, and basically you just got your little boats, and you're going around this whirlpool, this um, this circular board um, with these hydras in the middle, and it's you know the, it is the first player to complete two laps. Like there is there, unlike Jamaica, where you can win, but you don't have to come first. Mm-hmm. Here, you you have to come first, and I found I found it quite an interesting game in how it tries to manage that or should i say how it tries to strategize the role and move mechanics and the and and kind of like racing as a genre in games so mm. what kathleen mercury and mark selmayer have done is basically create this multi-layered role and move race game which which kind of at each step of its of the gameplay rounds there's always something that's happening where you can try and mitigate your luck so for example how how the game starts is everyone has their own uh, couple of dice you have this like lovely it's like sort of almost fox's glacier mint-esque navigation dice which will have like a one to three on it then you have these lovely bold blue dice uh, which will have a one to six on it you roll your navigation dice and one of the blue dice first and then it's up to you whether you roll your second dice your second blue dice because if you roll with your second blue dice a number which is lower than your first blue dice then you go bust and you're own and you're left with whatever you rolled on your dice which only goes from one to three so the first roll say i rolled a two and a four and i decide right i'm going to push my luck because that's only a move of six I rolled my second blue dice and I rolled a three because that's lower than that four I am stuck with a movement of two okay yep so that's basically how the how the game starts and everyone does that simultaneously so there's this nice sort of spreading of chuckles and glee and relief around the table as everyone's sort of starting to plot their positions in their heads of right this is how much movement i'm going to do shall i shall i risk it shall i push my luck and go for a little bit more movement oh yeah 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 that paid off oh thank god or oh no like oh, i've absolutely <laughs> balked it here and 
then the game takes place in turns and you figure out how how far you're going to be moving and you move around this circular board moving from point to point and the board sort of spreads almost like lightning bolts across around this circle so you can take these like diverging paths you'll end up encountering whirlpools which can kind of chuck you out into going different directions you've got you will encounter hydra and you've got to feed them fish in order to fend them off if you can't then you have to stop all your movement where you're going and then there's this lovely little touch where you can encounter spots on the board where you can pick up new sections of the board. Hmm. So this board that you're playing on is entirely modular, so it's created almost at random at the start of each game. And then if you've got one of these boards, if you picked up a sort of slice of it, at the start of your turn, you can then place that new bit of board anywhere on the existing circle in the table. Hmm. Essentially, creating new routes, shortening others putting someone who is ahead of you in the path of um, danger or a whirlpool that's going to send them on a longer track. You can make things easy for yourself. You can sort of cause disruption behind you and sort of delay sort of the chasing pack. And then there are these power-ups that you can also get, which basically will either you have to play them immediately you have to give them to another player or they may help or hinder you in what you're in what you're trying to do and it's it's a game where i really respect it for everything it's trying to do in terms of really creating that exciting rush of a race but it also has that wacky races-esque okay chaos to it where anything could change at any moment and all of your best laid plans could be completely ruined or destroyed at any moment by something else that someone's doing around the board. But a bit like Wacky Races, which is a strange metaphor that I've <laughs> that I've sort of started to venture around. But just like Wacky Races, like when Dick Dastardly enters that race, he knows what he's in for. He knows he's in for, you know, backstabbing, skullduggery, you know... You, you make your own luck, you make your own odds. And this game sort of simulates that in a way, is that if you want to win, you've got to be just as cunning and as devious as, mm. as the players as the players around you, whilst also relying on a on a little bit of luck. Hmm. When we we've played Grease Lightning a couple of times now, and definitely the first time we played it, we didn't really understand it for two reasons. First of all, there's no real like grounding in a real sport. And for the, and the second reason was that because it didn't really have much of a grounding, we didn't really understand the implications of the actions that we were taking. So when we played it for you know subsequent times, when before we were like just plonking down extra bits of the board and just going, oh yeah, that's fine, just there. The second and third and fourth time we're playing it, it's like, right, if I place this there. It's going to do this. No, 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 no. Not going to play. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> Everything, because we understood a bit more about how this sport, quote unquote, mm -hmm. worked and the mechanics of it, a bit like in Flamme Rouge, when you understand what a peloton is, is it, and when you understand what a peloton is and, the, and how it operates and the benefits and negatives to being part of it and out of it and in it and whatever, then you can really take advantage of that. And it was only when we really understood the power of of the power-ups, the actual, 
the benefits of pushing your luck the the um the outcomes of actually placing and adjusting this modular board in front of you that the game really started to click and actually we got the full racing experience out of it chris sam okay so how do you tell a pig is happy what was it churchill said Dog, <laughs> dogs look up at you cats look down at you but a pig looks you straight in the eye and treats you as an equal hmm. yeah but i how don't do know what's happy happy i'm as happy as a pig in mud mud yeah you're absolutely right well did churchill really say that about pigs I think so, yes. <laughs> so, I've not really been doing any gaming uh, over the last fortnight or so, apart from... Take a break. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I've been... With the, with the weather as being as crap as it is, so as a recording, we've had about seven days solid of rain where it's I am. It's been glorious, hasn't it? Oh, it's been oh, great love fun. It so much. Which means, obviously, you stay inside. And as we've already established, this is, you know, Willington's favourite time of the year. Oh, God, it's it's so autumnal. Glorious. October, Halloween is just around the corner. This is the time for spooky shenanigans, really. Mm -hmm. And I've been watching uh, Midnight Mass. I've watched it, actually. I've watched all. Um, seven episodes of it which is on Netflix so I spoke about Squid Game how do you do it oh, how do how you do it? it no I don't know who does it well it's raining absolutely outside absolutely chomps through content yeah Netflix must Definitely. love you weekends yeah weekends, um, weekends. Oh. Uh, they're great honestly they're superb you should try them they're brilliant they are really good yeah. <laughs> they are they, I definitely recommend so did any of you ever watch Haunting a Hill House no yeah oh, wait was that the movie there was that nah, so there was a movie the haunting which in the early 2000s with liam neeson in it and wow owen wilson and Catherine zeta jones but i think i watched that and i th yeah. think i enjoyed it okay well if you enjoyed that you're gonna love this because this is so much better so hill house i absolutely adored bly manor slightly less so and what mike flanagan and i suppose he basically is our new to some degree he's our new Frank Darabont so Frank Darabont has become as one of the people who's good at bringing Stephen King's works to life obviously there's the It films which I've not seen so I can't really speak for those but in terms of like long form narratives like miniseries Mike Flanagan has just kind of cultivated that really and with Hill House and Bly Manor you've got that quintessentially what feels almost like a victorian gothic ghost story almost and but doing some really cool things so for example in hill house there's pretty much a ghost in every shot and you just have to look for them and wow. some of those are relevant to the plot others aren't and you never know but they'll appear in certain places so clearly there is a kind of a rationale behind their location in certain shots so i had really high expectations coming into this next series when you say you know that kind of a ghost story now are we talking what kind of traditional writing are we talking about here are we talking about mr james mr james who's i would say probably like there's there's smatterings of mr james there well hill house is based on the novel haunting a hill house and bly manor was based on the uh, turn of the screw which is probably one of our most famous ghost mm -hmm. stories mm -hmm. so there is that aspect there yes pete and that idea of what mr james calls a pleasing terror yeah, uh, so yes. 
Yes. So like, yes, there are, yes, I'm not going to say that there aren't horrific aspects of these stories, but it's not a gore fest. Okay. It's much, much more for much more on characters and emotions. And what, what makes a ghost story for me have resonance is when the ghost has an objective. Yeah. And that, that, that lingers more so. Midnight Mass, which is the latest series from his, is comple completely different to some degree. It is not a ghost story. It is a supernatural horror, but it's not a ghost story. It is not part of that haunting of ilk. So I, I kind of went into this with some degree of trepidation, even though I love kind of Flanagan's work, really. Um, this is, I would say, for me personally, more unsettling than Midsummer. Mm. And other people won't believe that, won't view that in that way at all, because Midsummer is pretty horrific. Um, this just unsettled me in a manner that I've not quite had in a TV series before. Not necessarily because it's particularly spooky or horrific, but more just in terms of the ideas it's kind of grappling with, really. Um, it's set on an island off America within a small community. A lot of them kind of go to church. Um, there and the island's called Crockett Island and the island's aged priest uh, Monsieur Pruitt is kind of off on a pilgrimage he's like a very very old man and he's kind of become a little bit absent-minded really so he's kind of gone off and on this pilgrimage to recuperate and in the and the congregation are waiting for him to return and instead they're met by this very young priest called Paul Hill Father Paul Hill and also someone who is returning is Riley Flynn who was born on this island, went off and ran amok and then was imprisoned and is haunted by his crime. And he's just got out of prison. And he's come back to his island and he's kind of confronted. He's confronted with that possibility of returning to a home and a community he never wanted to come back to because he kind of wanted to escape and see the world. And he's gone out and seen the world, and but he's nowhere else for him to go. And what's very interesting about his him and his character is and other characters who've done similar things is that that person's gone out and seen the world who's come back to their village i get it a little bit sometimes when i go back to the village i grew up in and like they keep asking me where when i'm going to be on telly next uh okay. you know that you know that feeling like yeah, just because i did a drama degree like you know so mm -hmm. like and so you've got that kind of dynamic there um but strange occurrences start to happen on this island Stray cats are being are just found eviscerated. Um, people start to go missing, like people on the fringes of this small society, they start going missing. And there's this tall figure in a long coat and hat that is seen prowling at night during a storm. And this is very much a mini-series about faith and to what extent can faith act as a glue that can hold a community together, but also as something that can drive it apart. And like as someone like myself i've I've never had any re religious affiliation i've never grown up in a religious household at all so a lot of this stuff was alien to me i know very little about like a lot of religions like and this this one is looking at a particular this is a, a catholic kind of um i suppose sect i suppose really on this small little island so i didn't know what mass was i'd heard of it i didn't i knew a little bit about transubstantiation and um, so the rituals ascribed to that say for example um, but like I found that utterly fascinating and what Flanagan does with this is very very interesting how he ties this particular um, religious view and within this particular community I should say to the kind of supernatural elements that start happening is really really interesting.
and it's almost like and this is not to be facetious i should say um i've been rewatching father ted recently and there swing yeah. It is a bit of a swing, but you, but you know what I mean? It's an island that is isolated. It's a community that is isolated off from the rest of the world. And there's something very interesting about a community where all they have is each other. Mm-hmm. And the center point, really, that is the church and, to, and, 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 and the kind of tensions that it can create, but also the, the, that sense of collegiality or community that is fostered there, really. And you add this kind of supernatural element to all this and it just acts as this incredible catalyst. And by the last episode, oh my word, it's just extraordinary. You're essentially watching the disintegration of a community. And there are times where I am just shouting at characters because what they're doing is so irrational. It just does not compute for me. But then when you start to think about it, they're in this isolated place. Their entire perception of the world of reality is skewed so much in a particular direction because of the supernatural element. A little bit like, did you ever watch The Mist? Which ironically is a Frank Darabont adaptation. It's a brilliant horror film. It's got a spectacular ending that lingers with you. But it's basically where these people are, this strange fog wafts into the harbour. And it's basically a portal to this kind of Cthulhu-verse. And these people are just trapped in their, their local supermarket with these big windows. And it's, it's how this community bands together while these monsters are outside. And what happened, you know, they have some of them turn on each other, all this kind of thing. It's fascinating. And it's, and the supernatural threat is just literally something in the background. It's actually about, the, as a catalyst, um, what that offers here, really. And there are some fantastic performances. Um, Kate Siegel, um, who's been in lots of Mike Flanagan's stuff as Riley's childhood sweetheart, phenomenal. Their scenes are extraordinary. There's a particular scene between them where they ask each other, what do you think happens after you die? Two very different opinions on what that is. Um, but fascinating to be to be witness to that conversation. Um, Hamish Linklater, as Father Paul, does this pulls off this very difficult job of being utterly kind of magnetic, but also kind of pitying at the same time. Really, uh, still garners sympathy, even though despite what he does. And Rahul Kohli, from how I saw previously in *The Haunting of Blind Manor*, is just brilliant as the sheriff, um, who is a Muslim, who has to also try and come to terms with. You know, the fact that for many people in this community, he's seen as an outcast. And Rahul Kohli is amazing in that role. He really is. And uh, lastly, Samantha Sloyan, who plays probably one of the most incredible villains I've seen in television in a long time. Um, oh, my gosh. I've, I don't think I've ever disliked a character so much in my life, which is just mm-hmm. testament to the incredible performance that she pulls off. Um, so, yeah, seven episodes. Genuinely really interesting. I think it is Flanagan's best work. It's not my favourite work, but I think it's his best work by far. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing what he pulls off next, really. Hmm. Yeah. I do love horror. Absolutely adore it. That that tension and release, that pull and that pull and pop. Like me me and um, Chris watched The Invisible Man the other day. Oh gosh, that's so good. So it's really, really good. I mean it's devastating. It's it's um it's 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 incredibly devastating but it's such a great horror film um it does it really does the director is it lee wanell yeah lee wanell yeah yeah he does some incredible stuff with negative space that's just absolutely stunning you know like like chris was saying about um 
Haunting of Hill House where every frame there's a ghost in it. You just have to look like the director in The Invisible Man always has like an empty space where a man could be standing in the frame and it's so unsettling and just sees like wonderful, like he'll just do a pan away from the action and then a pan back as if like someone's entering or leaving That's a scene. so good. And it's just really unsettling. And I and like you just don't get that in any other in any other genre, that wonderful exploration of like like tension and dread and and or just like or just form and function. I, I think horror just does it so much better than than anything else. But I can't I don't know, just sitting down for a series of that just seems I'm just gonna have a look now for T V horror series and see if I've actually I mean I've all oh, no, I I have actually no I have. I've watched um, The Outsider. Never watched that. So let me just double check it. How's it actually called The Outsider? Uh, so The Outsider is... Um, I actually read the book first. It's a book by Stephen King. And um, it was made into a short TV show with Cynthia Revo in and Ben Mendelsohn. Um, okay. Paddy Constantine. Um, good cast yeah excellent cast and that's really that was actually really good no I take that back no I could watch her <laughs> I was about to say because like Flanagan's aware of that fact with Hill House it's a long form so it's actually a mystery like mm-hmm. so it, the first episode of Hill House starts at a particular moment in the character's past and you're trying to work out what it was that happened and it's actually about a family and it's about them trying to not only solve the mystery of what this house is and what these ghosts are, but actually trying to work out what happened as a, when they were a family all these years ago. So it's a mystery. And a Midnight Mass has also got a bit of a mystery attached to it, really, um, as well. And, and I think that's what kind of propels it. It's not just that exhausting sensation of, like, jump scare, nothing, jump scare, nothing, because, you know, your yeah, heart yeah, can't yeah. take that. You know, you no. can binge this, you know, easily without feeling like you've just been sat on the roller coaster for a day. How do you tell, like, if a centipede's happy? Mm, good one. Good one. I think it's when it stands up on its back legs. Yeah. Or if it's, like, sort of, like, raising the roof, but with every arm, maybe? Or it's doing, it's it's doing, like, the worm. That was another episode of Staying In with Peter Winnington, Sam Turner and myself, Chris Darby. Uh, It's getting colder. It's getting a bit wetter here in the UK. Uh, It's getting cosier as well. Central heating is is popping on right now, although I know Pete will hold off as long as possible before he does the big switch on ceremony. Yeah, it's that usual bit of the show really where I kind of explain to you how you can keep listening to this if you don't know already. Uh, It's also um, kind of highlighting where you can kind of see us elsewhere. Uh, Stayinginpodcast.com is our website, which has all that kind of jumping off points to our various different social media feeds and also other kind of podcast platforms if you're getting a little bit bored of the one you're currently listening on. Um, We're kind of everywhere, really. Pete's done a dynamite job of trying to make us as omnipresent as possible online. So you you can find us on YouTube if podcasting apps are not your thing. So if you've got a friend that you want to recommend us to who isn't an ardent podcaster, 
um, perhaps kind of easing them in for YouTube might be the best way. Or, you know, you may want to kind of soak up some of the sounds of the works that we discuss. Um, I am <laughs> banging that drum of curated of the curated uh, Spotify page that we have as well, which has its own little playlist, which kind of captures some of the moods and energy levels and tones of some of the stuff we talk about. So I will be including a track uh, from the Midnight Mass soundtrack. And who knows, I might include something from the musical Grease. Uh, in terms of social media, at Staying in Pod is the handle um, for that. Uh, Instagram is my favourite. Um, I'm not really a Facebooker, but we are on Facebook for those who are. And same with Twitter as well. Feel free to ask us a question through any of those platforms, um, direct messaging within them, or email us at stayinginpod at gmail.com. I think about that's about it, really. I'm going to go to bed and play on my Switch. Uh, Neo Cab, actually, thanks for asking, is what I'm playing at the moment. And it is a great bedtime game. I might talk about it at some point in a future episode. And if you're not quite sure what your animal is feeling, just let me know. Bye.